0: This is Defenders TV Podcast, episode 39, looking at Jessica Jones, season 1, episode 9, a.k.a. Sindin. Welcome back, Defenders, to this episode of Defenders TV Podcast, episode 39, where we take a look at the Jessica Jones episode, aka Sinbin. And we are here in our hermetically sealed podcast chamber, uh, waiting to be interrogated by you, the listener. I am one of your hosts, John. I'm one of
1: your other hosts, Derek. And rounding at the group, I'm Chris. Help me, they don't actually let me out of here during the weekends. <laughs> I stay in here. This Where's getting... that red button?
2: <laughs> this room's getting pretty stinky with it uh, being hermetically sealed and three of us inside. That's not good.
0: Absolutely. Hey, I, 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 wish... <laughs> I wish I had uh, cooling water around my feet at the moment. But then they'd start to prune... Wouldn't they? they would prune. Anyone and else notice how
1: prunes... he's actually his, his suit say pretty well unwrinkled throughout that episode? You'd think it would probably get a bit wet and yeah, yeah, crinkly. No, yeah. uh, but also
0: remember, prunes lead to the dark side. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I think with that, uh, it's just to remind everyone that you can find us on Defenders TV podcast dot com forward slash iTunes or search for us with any other good podcast catchers such
2: as Podcast Addict, BeyondPod, Player FM, or indeed Stitcher. And you can also find our podcast over on flickeringmyth.com, which provides loads of our geeky topics and news that we talk about as well. Um, if you want to send us some feedback, just email us at feedback at defenders tv You can follow us on Twitter at DefendersCast. Or you can find our group over on Facebook. Just search for Defenders TV Podcast. Uh, lots of discussion going on over there, um, some kind of polls and some discussion about the news and upcoming Marvel projects as well. So just go find us and uh, join the group, and we will uh, we will approve you to pop on into the Facebook group.
0: Yeah, and it's just to remind everyone that there will be spoilers here on out uh, in relation to the episode and our discussion. And of course, uh, we will take our five best points or maybe worst points of each episode, uh, and discuss them through. Uh, But Derek, uh, who was the writer and director on this episode?
2: (laughs) Turning it round on me there. I I am. I like it. Uh, So this episode, episode 9 of Jessica Jones, a.k.a. Sinbin, was written by Jamie King and Dana Baratta. Dana Baratta wrote episode 5 of Jessica Jones, which was a.k.a. The Sandwich Saved Me, one of my favorites so far. Uh, Jamie King's one of the staff writers, or one of the writers within the team of Jessica Jones writers. Uh, This episode was directed by John Dahl. John Dahl is another alum of Dexter, directing 13 episodes of Dexter. We spoke about one of the writers who'd done about nine episodes of Dexter, uh, who wrote last week's episode. Uh, And this is another alum formerly working with the future head of Iron Fist. Um, so, yeah, quite interesting that they're taking from this pool of writers for, uh, for Jessica Jones.
0: Yeah, as Iron Fist uh, gradually infiltrates into the world of Marvel Netflix.
2: Absolutely. John, do you want to tell us what we got in this episode?
0: Sure. After the explosion outside Jessica's childhood home, Simpson is rushed to hospital requesting to be seen by a Dr. Kazlov in a last-ditch hope to save him from his injuries. As he begins to respond to the doctor's treatment, he is told to follow a course of red, white and blue medication that may prove to be kill or cure for the former special ops soldier. Meanwhile, Jessica has Kilgrave secured in the hermetically sealed chamber located on the edge of the city. As she interrogates him to extract a confession for the murder of Hope's parents and to provide evidence for mind control. As she becomes more desperate for answers, her techniques are called into question by Hogarth, who seems to have designs on Kilgrave's abilities for her own ends. However, as more details of Kilgrave's past emerge from the videotape, Jessica and Trish follow another lead that they hope will be more persuasive, Kilgrave's parents. But just when Jessica has Kilgrave right where she wants him, Hogarth's involvement complicates the situation. As Jessica's plans are thrown into a bloody turmoil, a tiny fragment of realisation and hope is discovered.
1: Very interesting. Lovely summary you have there. This is probably what I would
2: say is one of those pivotal episodes of the show where a lot of strands are tied up and a lot of new stuff seems to be happening in this episode. Tons going on. Too much. Really?
1: Yeah. 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 I'm not going to spoil my later points. Sensory overload for you, Chris? Sensory overload. Just, just... Oh, I, uh, just, that is my, the epitome of my feeling is how I'm vocalizing it. It's just, hate is a strong word. Okay. Dislike is too weak.
2: Mm. Uh,
1: this episode did not do it for me.
2: Interesting.
1: But at the same time, closing up all those arcs, opening new ones, did it for me. Right. I don't know what it was. I think it was the... Too many cooks in the kitchen, perhaps. Not from a writer perspective, perhaps just too many thread lines, plot lines, trying to... Again, we've got four hours left. Mm -hmm. That's it. So they're trying to close off certain ones that just probably you didn't need. uh, Potentially closing certain other ones off too early to close off, perhaps. And then additionally, you've got just filler, where in an episode where you had too much already, so why would you place filler? Right. So I just, some of it, I, yeah.
0: Mm. Huh. <laughs> Interesting.
1: Mm.
0: I definitely think there's a lot of exposition. Definitely. That's the word I was yeah. looking for. Yeah. Not, yeah, not necessarily filler, an awful lot of exposition. Um, Basil exposition does spring to mind here. There's an awful lot of information being thrown around. Um, and part of me wondered whether. I thought this was, again, was a really good episode. Um, again, it was just pacing for me and it was a personal thing. It was, um, potentially with the parents, maybe too soon. I would have liked to have seen Kilgrave squirm. I enjoyed that interrogation, that boundary pushing that, you know, Jessica was doing, where in a sense she becomes maybe the questionable person mm-hmm. there. Um, I love the duplicitous nature of, um, of Hogarth again in this episode and how sort of the things that sprung to mind to her previously kind of about using his abilities or wouldn't that be great uh, kind of started to sort of dawn on her in mm. in regard to her current situation but I do think that um for me some of the things just maybe happened too quickly and others were t- took a long time to get there but I think it was necessary to answer some of the questions that we were asking, certainly, say, in our last podcast, Absolutely. for example. So there was a lot going on here. Um, but again, another solid um, episode
2: right, right? for me. Yeah, definitely going into this episode, I was kind of uh, questioning, would we guess... A lot of the questions that we had about episode eight answered, and yeah, they answered them in spades. A lot of the uh, lot of the discussion we had in last week's episode really came back uh, while we were watching this episode, and really kind of struck a chord as to you know some of the huge things that you guys had had proposed and that I'd proposed in last week's episode. Suddenly, they're either flipped on their head, or answer is given, or new discoveries are made that lead into possible future episodes. So I really enjoyed that. But before we steal every point that he, that each other has to make. Who uh, wants to kick us off? John, do you want to give us your first point? Yes, I will. Um, basically, I like the fact that it answered the
0: question, which was, Kilgrave is a crazy psychopath. Mm. He, To me, he isn't um, the person who is trying to rehabilitate himself or uh, make himself a better person. He is in it for himself. I think at any opportunity, he will look to better himself in all manners of horrible ways. And for me, I think that became apparent here, just purely by the fact that even though there were questions for me with Jessica's treatment of him as a a prisoner, I do think that he really ultimately proved himself in his actions uh, and eventual escape from, from the hermetically sealed chamber to be every bit as in it for him and him only. And he's probably now realized that Jessica um, really doesn't want anything to do with him. Mm -hmm. And so he may give that up. He may move past that quite quickly. And I think he has a sociopathic or psychopathic tendency. um, Absolutely. Um, So that, for me, was the biggest thing here, um, to just see him... Be manipulative. I mean, even with regards to Jessica's um, punchdown of him, which was hugely brutal, you know, he knew what to do to be cast as the victim in the footage. He knew and wanted and sought to get under the skin and into the mind of Hogarth so that she may let him out. And then finally, you know, I suppose when all hope of a reasonable escape is lost, he will take that big opportunity like we saw at the end in relation to becoming face-to-face with his parents and escaping that way. So even though he was on the back foot, he still showed cunning, um, arrogance, and essentially a self-centred nature of for Kilgrave and Kilgrave only. And I thought that was really good to see.
1: For me this actually I I, I was a bit disappointed with last episode we were given this insightful kind of view into Kilgrave, in that you wanted to have empathy for the character I wanted them to continue that a bit more. They had have strung that out for at least another hour Mm. that would have just given it a bit more of an more of an emotional wrenching when they showed him now to be the way he was. Yeah. So we basically had one hour out of 13 where he was somewhat cool. Not co- Sorry, excuse me. Not somewhat cool, but more you empathize with his possible reasoning and thought process and who he might become and why he became the way he did. Mm. Within the, the first five minutes of this episode, He, you saw as John said, the man he is—the psychopath, the sycophant, the, the psychotic, kind of easily manipulative man. Which I, it was great to see the character brought back, and it was who he was, and you know that is who that character is now. But I kind of I was like, oh, if they just could have played that thread, that that plotline, just another, because for literally as I said, for the first maybe four minutes of the episode. You saw Jessica torture him yeah. with the the video, mm-hmm. and I was like, "That would be brilliant." So you see this breakdown emotion; it would have been like almost that birth of what we saw Wilson Visk in the last episode, mm-hmm. the last two episodes of Daredevil. This was the birth of the Purple Man. Like, so Jessica breaks him down and he snaps him for, for too far. Mm-hmm. That would have been brilliant. So you have empathy, 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 and then he goes it crazy. Right, right. But no, it was literally empathy for about four minutes and then when she goes for the beat down then straight away I was like oh, maybe he's not playing maybe he's like this is Jessica, Jessica going too far. Right. And it's, then there was just that sneer and that whisper too. his face wasn't in the camera. Mm-hmm. I was like no, 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 no it's a big game. Exactly.
2: Like, oh. Exactly. And I think I slightly spoke about this on last week's episode as well. Um, I love that. Must admit, because essentially they are telling you don't have empathy with this guy he's raped women multiple times. The writers of the show are very much saying we're not going to do this thing where we go. His parents caused this and that's that's why he's the way he is. Jessica even called it out last episode and um, they're very much kind of going, look what he does when he's when he when he's in any situation, regardless of the power or not he's going to manipulate it. he's looking into the camera he's presenting everything. From if you're watching this footage, Jessica is abusing him. Jessica's beating him, using her superpowers on him. You hold all the power here, kind of thing. Um, all of that stuff is all showing that he is a reprehensible character. He's he's got no good empathetic feelings that you can have towards him, or no good pieces about him like Wilson Fisk that you can uh, that you can feel for him. Remember the, 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 by this stage in Daredevil, we'd met Vanessa. We'd understood that he's doing things for the love of a good woman, that he's uh, doing things for the love of his city, for Wilson Fisk in, in Daredevil. By this stage, we have no idea why, why uh, Kilgrave is doing what he's doing other than it's everything for himself. And this is another episode just layering on those elements of Kilgrave turning things towards his perspective and his idea and what he wants other people to believe about him. Jessica's mentioned a couple of times in this episode that he avoided being in front of cameras since this one Footage of him sh- showing weakness, essentially, when he was a child. And from then on, he's just controlled everything around him. So it's nice that he didn't just let that fall for me. That's that, that's what I like about the character. That they didn't let it just drop and make him be a whiny, snivelly guy in the corner. They're showing that he is actually controlling the
1: situation around him. But do you not think it would have been really interesting just to explore that for just another hour? Just to almost like layer on that. You Yeah, you should feel some empathy for this guy. You should, Maybe. and like because it didn't really touch you like, just into much it touched myself and John because mm-hmm. we discussed it more. you didn't feel as much empathy yeah. in the last episode,, yeah. but do you not think if they had have layered a, another era just where you're like, Oh, maybe i i can cut. maybe it's his product it's interesting it probably, and then it, then ripped it away
2: it probably does say a lot about me <laughs> i must say no
1: so yeah
2: <laughs> something like that but i think i always hear these stories of people justifying their actions there's always someone's got a bad story of something in their past that caused them to do x y and z and i loved jessica calling out in episode 8 that she doesn't believe this bull that people sell her that because you're mistreated as a child, therefore X equals Y and you are a killer because of it or you are a rapist because of it. She called it out. I believe that character completely because that's my reaction to a lot of people like this. Just because you're abused as a child or beaten as a child does not necessarily mean you must turn into a bad guy. He's made loads of decisions throughout his life and has become that. And I like that they're exploring that type of character rather than going, like I suppose, rather than having the cliche of every Marvel comic, which is, this is how you are created, as a bad guy, because you've had a, p- a bad life to start with, therefore you're a bad guy. If you didn't have a bad life to start with, you're a good guy. Look at Captain America. He lost his parents, he's an orphan too, and he becomes Steve Rogers' Captain America. He doesn't turn to the bad side, has never had that thought cross his mind. And I love that, that he's not co- doesn't come from a, a, a great past and he's ended off in a great way. Whereas this character, Kilgrave, has every opportunity to say it's all because of them, but I don't believe it. I like their exploring that.
1: I agree with you. No, agree. If they had it on the trope, it would have been terrible. But I just mean play one more. Like, if they had to just literally, explain, like, because lit, they did, they flipped it back that no, he's just an evil, mm-hmm. reprehensible type of character. Yeah. I, I like that. that. And that makes the character.
0: Yeah. I, I think for me, the one thing about this episode, which when it finished, I think I immediately said, um, oh, that big fight scene at the end saved it for me. And then, I mean, I thought back on it more, and there's an awful lot that I like here, and I think it was merely a pacing issue. And I think, right. like yourself, Chris, I really wanted to see them explore that because they were turning the tables on him, and they were exploring sort of, you know, Jessica, the person who has been... Um, being vulnerable, she's the one that's been controlled by him, now in full control of him, ultimately. But you see him turn, and I like that. And you see him actually trying to control the situation. You know, he's always watching, he's looking, but at the same time, there's a real darkness here to Jessica and um, what she's doing. As you say, putting the the tape onto the screen. I mean, that just screams of torture. Having the water floor, the electrical um, shock treatment, mm-hmm. the fact that he can't hear anything, and if he speaks, there's no reaction because th- there is a a, a slight uh, sensory deprivation going on there as well. So this is actually really quite dark, and it's all, as Hogarth says, as Detective Clemens says, it is all beyond the law and actually is only making him um, potentially come off better in the light of the law if this ever gets to um,
2: a cause, especially with how he's playing in front of the camera as exactly. well, exactly adding to it.
0: So you know? I like his then Machiavellian side, where he, you know, where he's slightly off camera or is behind one of the metal trusses, where he, you know, suddenly just starts to, you know, do the wink and the knowing smile and say, "Look, um, you're not going to get this out of me." And I think that was really, really good. Um, and I, I think. Um, no, again, the only other aspect of pacing for me, um, and I kind of want to go into my second point here. I know, but I know you no, two haven't done have any points point yet. But so I won't. I point that you just yeah. Brought up. So I won't. But what I would say is that the introduction of the parents really good. I love that. I just wish it was in the next episode. Interesting,
2: interesting. Uh, my point is actually brought up from something that you've said there, which is the torture by Jessica of Kilgrave. Really, really stood out to me how much like the A Clockwork Orange, the uh, Stanley Kubrick um, yeah. movie. Um, yeah, definitely. Really, really stood out to me. And what I was, what my point is, comes from that because I instantly thought of that. It really felt like that scene where um, the main character of Alex is being held to made and made watch. Uh, really horrible videos that are tormenting him, um, and then I looked it up. John Dahl, the director of this episode, has gone on record in the past, about four or five years ago, um, talking about his inspirations and what led him to become a director. I'm going to read a little bit of his uh, of his choice for that. Right, and his choice was. Stanley Kubrick's *A Clockwork Orange*. What he said about it was, this film captured my imagination so much. It was the first film that I saw that made me realize that somebody has to make this type of stuff. Somebody has to build those sets. Somebody has to paint those paintings. All of a sudden, it became accessible. The movie was so compelling and interesting to me on so many levels. And the one thing that struck me is that somebody made that movie, Now that somebody someday possibly I could make it. So this is John Dahl's um, reflection of. Clockwork Orange, it's very much what he chose to do this scene, is absolutely taken from Stanley Kubrick's. And I think he did a great job to actually make that stand out in a in a TV show. He's he's replicated a classic image and and brought it into a TV show which is, again, a Marvel Comics TV show. Uh, well done, John Dahl. Really impressed with that. No, Absolutely.
1: Yeah, no, I agree. It's just if they hadn't done a bit more of that torture he got close. Again, it's that disconnect we have in this episode. My feeling is that they wanted to Cramming so much, like that torture scene. I'm assuming that if we ever get an extended deleted scenes bit, there's mm-hmm. more in there. Really? Yeah, I'd say because he there was that bit where he curls up and the video is playing in the background. Mm-hmm. Like that's the I've seen too much of this video. Yeah. Uh Like or where Jessica's talking to him, then puts it back on, then fast forwards it, and then puts it back on, mm-hmm. like that. So it's like that. The the old school torture you'd hear about in, in in Clockwork Orange or in the Gulf War and all that kind of stuff where they're waterboarding uh-huh. and all this crazy, psycho kind of uh, psychological warfare. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just think there was probably more of it in this left on cutting room for. because yeah. I just think it it was a lovely homage. Uh-huh. But I think if they had of, like, blared the music, blared the sound over. Like, turned it up so loud that him him crying, mm-hmm. like, that would have made it more emotional. I
2: love that the choice is given. Trish gives the choice to Jessica. Why can't we just walk out of here? He's sealed in there. He could die in there for, for what either of us care. Why don't you just play out that over and over again? Leave it on a loop and walk out of here. Nobody even knows he's here. We're gone. I love that that's a choice given to Jessica. She's a hero. So she says no. She wants to get the confession is out of him. she a hero her. or an
1: anti-hero at the moment? Well,
2: she wants to get the confession out of him to save hope. That's her job. That's okay. the only thing she's looking for. Yeah, a bit of an anti-hero because she's a strong drinker and she'll kick the hell out of anybody that, that takes on one of her mates, basically. That's all we've seen her do. But she is a hero. She's supposed to be the hero of this show or the heroine of this show, definitely. Um, so I do like... Yeah, I think... I. I think they're doing something very different with this show. They absolutely probably could have written it that we empathise with Kilgrave, as, as we talked about a moment ago. They could have written it that way. They did for Daredevil overall. Marvel did that and made us empathise with uh, Wilson Fisk until the final episode. But I like that they're taking a different tack on it. For, but that's, again... Yeah, no, it's too many I think
1: it really is. Just a, just <laughs> nice quote from the episode, Chris. Yeah, I, okay. <laughs> Do you want to give us your first point? Um, I'm going to speak about the one and only uh, red, white and blue... Patriot soldier, mm-hmm. Mr. Nuke, Mr. Frank Simpson. Oh, excuse me, sorry, Will Simpson, uh-huh. Officer Simpson. <laughs> I'm so sorry. Um, so yeah, no, I want to talk about this. This was the confirmation of nine episodes worth of uh, content where we've been speculating: is he, is he indeed, is he Nuke, is indeed Nuke. Mm-hmm. We're still not a hundred percent, but he gets destroyed he's bleeding he had a massive chunk of glass in his abdomen mm-hmm. and then less than 6 cuz it's it was more at night when he got bombed. it's stayed morning he's still dying and now by mid afternoon evening he's up and quite healed yeah um so then what we get is dr kozlov um who i I can't find a uh, kind of counterpart in the Marvel universe, so mm. I think this was either we need a Russian-sounding name, Doctor. Quickly use this one. Yeah, uh, there is a Doctor Kozlov in uh, Amazing Strange Tales, which was obviously a production of Marvels back in the day. Mm-hmm. Um, but nothing, no, no, no connection to like this was before superheroes. Yeah, it's a Strange Tales piece. Um, and basically what he that. Discussion by Officer Simpson going. uh, I want back in. So there is this program, this secret program running in the background that we haven't heard about yet Mm -hmm. very much, Uh, and something about Damascus happened. Yeah. So I want to know more about that. Absolutely. That was a huge question left open. the The big confirmation we got in this episode was about the pills, Mm -hmm. where we had uh, red pills to get you going, two white pills uh to even you out and a blue pill to bring you down. Yeah. Red wine blue. Um it is the flag mm-hmm. and there is the very last part where we see Simpson and where the doctor is saying this is what the pills are and leaves <laughs> the three pills and Officer Simpson goes, I want more red. And he goes, No 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 not after Damascus. Yeah. Uh, we don't do that anymore. And then Will chugs a load of red and that is what Nuke is known for. Yeah. He just keeps taking the red pills. I
2: know. I'm really wondering, have we missed something? Is there something in um, in Iron Man 3 that has a reference to Damascus because of all the, the former guys in the army? Is there something there that we're missing? Yeah. Please, if you know it, listeners, send in feedback to feedback at DefendersTVPodcast.com. If there's something that we're missing here that we should know by now because we've only got another four episodes left it might be something that will be explained in another episode but i'm definitely thinking there's some kind of program that we that it has created these type of uh, these type of guys and I, well
0: it's funny you should say that because rather than thinking back i was thinking is damascus going to be explained in Daredevil 2 with okay. frank castle being there yes. so i was thinking more ahead rather than thinking that maybe it was an event that occurred um, previously. But definitely, um, I love this sort of development now of Nuke. Ultimately, that we've got confirmation that it's him. Whether he's called that or whatever is another matter entirely. But I really did kind of like that I mean you saw his wounds healing really super quickly um, you know Strange Doctor coming in you know never a good sign and John almost um, mentioned Doctor Strange there no, yeah. I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> but Strange Tales is not just another comic book absolutely that's
2: where Nick Fury and <laughs> Doctor Strange shared a book for, yeah. uh, for what 12 years was
1: 10 years something like yeah. that Yeah. I have two final points just on Nuke mm-hmm. so one I haven't said this on the show um and I made the joke there, which is about Frank Simpson in the comic books. Nuke Nuke's name is Frank Simpson. Right, right. And I was going well. His name's Will Simpson, in this, so it's not too bad. And obviously, they just didn't want to, um, confuse it with Frank Castle coming in in uh, Daredevil.
2: Mm-hmm. They may just be taking off the name Frank purely because it is Frank Simpson, and because we've got a Frank Castle coming up, it may just make sense to them yeah. to to part take it off. Their interesting point
1: now. I'm going to go down the rabbit hole a bit. Okay. So everyone bear with me, right? So, he now is perhaps imbued, thanks to these pills, okay. with some type of healing ability.
2: And we haven't seen any future episodes, listeners, remember, just yeah. in case Chris gets Oh my something God, i hoping
1: this is right. Please tell me this is right. Chris was right. Hashtag <laughs> Chris was right. <laughs> um, so, he had a big problem with the way Jessica's been handling this. Mm-hmm. And... As when we were discussing this theory before this podcast, I, 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 Derek, you brought it up. He has a problem with Jessica yes. having powers. Yes. So he got out of this program. Obviously, he had some type of powers when he was in the war, was it part of Black Ops or something like that, mm. which is accelerated healing. Uh, in, if he is nuke, he has accelerated strength. Say accelerated strength, super strength, mm-hmm. and he—he's basically a rip-off Captain America when he has pills in the system.
2: Right. Okay.
1: Um, so what if he's doing this now so he can take on Jessica to get at Kilgrave? Yeah, possibly. Yeah. yeah. So that's the bit. It's kind of like, okay, Jess is going to stand in my way. I want to kill Kilgrave. Yeah. But she's going to stand in my way, so I need to be on level with her. So are we up for this big? three-way fight. A super battle. A super battle, yes. if you will. Yes. A, a Winter Soldier, Captain America-esque battle, battle royale. Yes. Absolutely. <laughs> and that would
0: make sense with his, like, increasing obsession that, like, he's almost kind of shuntrish Trish by, sort of, episode seven yeah. and eight. Like, they're, they're not sleeping together. He's hardly round. Whereas, at the... the first, phone calls. Yeah, the, like, the, the, the first couple of episodes where they're together, he can't get from... Uh, out of the apartment, basically, or you know, all the bedroom or between the sheets. So I mean, you know, yeah. there's, um, you know, his attitude has changed with that exposure to Kilgrave and wanting to uh, sort of even up the 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 playing field um, after what happened to him. So yeah. that would all fit into this. Like, this is the only way he can do it because he now knows that there's a superhero in between him and his target, and like he is, he's a military man, so.
2: He's just got target, yep. stay on target. Okay. And I think one of the bits we didn't mention in episode 8 was his discussion with Trish where he does say, I'm not leaving her alone. Jessica can take care of herself. She's got powers. We don't. I'm stepping out of her way. And that's where I got the idea that potentially he's now starting to get really annoyed with the fact that he doesn't have powers. Jessica does. And she's telling him not to kill Kilgrave. So, yeah, <laughs> potentially he is now developing those powers so that he can push Jessica aside and get a Kilgrave a really yeah no one. I
1: think it'll be, that would be a great one so we we have a superhero showdown where they fight it off because um, we haven't really had that yes yep. like unless we had a Luke Jessica fight which we got for we didn't get we a fight a bit, we
2: got a bit of a, a proof of Jessica of, of Luke's powers and of Jessica's powers but they weren't fighting no
1: they, there was no punches thrown it yeah. was just kind of pushes it, it was, was a physical awesome. ar- yeah
0: physical Aww. argument but with super strength. Yes. Yeah.
1: Oh no, I think it was Lover's Tip if you want to call it that. Well, um, he did
2: kill her, his wife, so hey, maybe not that much of a lover's tip. Who here hasn't <laughs> killed someone's <laughs> wife? Me. Or, hey. <laughs> oh,
1: just me then? <laughs> uh, really good catches, Chris. Yep, that's I, just my point. When so. I
2: saw the uh, red, white and blue pills, all I was thinking of, we have Trinity in this show, you just went down the rabbit hole. There is someone going to go down, down the rabbit hole. Are we going to take the red pill or the blue pill? Um, yeah, I thought it was whole, totally a reference to the Matrix, and then Chris pointed out the red, white, and blue pills. Well done, good thank catch, you go, thank you, thank you, thank you. John. Do you want to give us your next points?
0: Yeah, we are introduced to Albert and Louise Thompson, uh, yes. Kilgrave's parents, and um, they're British. Um, they, I know exactly. Woohoo! Um, they were at the University of Manchester. Yes. Woohoo. Somebody um, else was
2: at the University of Manchester, weren't right
0: they? Yes. Um, so all oh, good. good. Um Rutherford. <laughs> and then me. Obviously, yeah, yeah. There you yeah. go. Um but, uh, yeah, so we're introduced to them, and it, it, there's kind of two points here. First of all, um, we get to learn about why there was all the rugby. I think we had mentioned that previously, that the, it was strange seeing rugby um, on the TV screen yeah. uh, for an American team. show. Uh, but we do find that um, Eric Brentford is one of Kilgrave's heroes, or... Childhood Heroes is a rugby player. This is called Simbin, which Rugby Union does have, um, and as does hockey, I believe. Um, So there's all this kind of connection to previous little... Just little bits and bobs that occurred throughout the episode that I yeah. think we would looked at or
2: at least noticed previously. So that was quite good. But yeah, I love those. Real, I love those ties back to stuff that happened in episode one and two that were just throwaway stuff. I think we mentioned it because we thought it was a soccer game um, originally in episode two. It turned out to be a rugby uh, match. When we were watching it, but I love those little touches. And again, it's kind of nice because that's much more of a non-London sport. Uh, So there is much more of a connection to a very different part of the UK that we don't normally see in in American productions particularly, uh, that we're actually seeing a bit more outside of the normal characters based in London.
0: Yeah, no, absolutely. I thought that that was really good. But I think as well, the other like really good thing about this introduction, is that they essentially tell an alternate story as to what happened. And it's kind of coming back to this point of this interrogation. You know, he is saying, and previous conversations in Jessica's old childhood home, he's saying, you know, he was experimented on by his parents. And what they are saying is that he had a neurological problem which would have killed him before he reached 10. Mm. And they were trying to save his life. But in introducing a virus to him, he is transformed into essentially this uh, young boy of 10 years old who has got these neurological uh, superpowers to control people's minds. Uh, And then after that, they are living in fear because they're at the whim of a 10 year old boy with all the tantrums, the wants, and they haven't left him. they ultimately run away from him yeah. in order to save their own lives because he gets his mother to burn her face with an iron.
1: We've all been there <laughs> <laughs> it's a real dark <laughs> um,
0: so we have this alternate story, which is one that was is going to be and to me feels like it's the truth yeah and and again, it just puts Kilgrave in that light of being just horrible really and both a liar but also just a torturer and a a general intimidating person even at the age of 10 and and i i really liked that aspect of um his parents being involved by jessica and then of course it all leads to the big showdown in the the tank and i mean it's just I love David Tennant's portrayal here where he becomes this like bruised and uh, battered child and he almost reverts back to being a child, just the tone of his voice as he's speaking to his mom, seeing his expression as he sees his parents for the first time. I absolutely um, thought that was like really amazing acting actually from, from David Tennant. One of the big questions from it for me is that he actually seems genuine about it, mm-hmm. and then she pulls the scissors out and stabs him. And so, if his mom hadn't pulled the scissors, would it have gone a different way? And mm-hmm. um, you know, it was all to get him to show and prove his mind control, his powers on tape, um, and. I must say, I just thought that was a really great scene. And it was just really frantic and tense by the end of it with Kilgrave escaping. But all of that, I just thought was really good. I just loved how uh, David Tennant just changed and almost reverted oh, yes. to being a kid again. Um, and again, it would have been interesting to see if the Scissors hadn't been involved, what would have happened. It's not to say it would have changed, but obviously that accelerated everything to a pretty horrific conclusion.
1: You used a word there and that's my problem. Accelerated. Right, right. Just again, again, a fantastic scene. Like, David Tennant deserves some kind of, they don't, they won't give David Tennant an, M- an Emmy or, that's not Oscar material, but mm. it's like Emmy material right, for this Netflix, similar to the House of Cards winning Emmys. Mm. Like, David Tennant, portrayal here was fantastic absolutely. he slipped between three different personas within one episode within one scene mm. of a damaged child an angry child and then a malicious psychopath absolutely at the end what was it um, take those scissors and stab yourself for every year you have left me yeah, um, yeah. like that was just brilliant absolutely but again, it just felt to me, and I, I'm probably on my own on this, and I, I just don't understand why I'm getting this feverish annoyance. with it, it just felt
2: rushed. <laughs> I don't think you're alone. I, I would <clears> say I would say other people have had, had those opinions, and I suppose, given that we only have four episodes left, maybe if you if we cracked on and watched the next two or three episodes back to back, maybe this would have faded a little bit. Because I don't know what's coming. I really don't. By the end of this episode, we know that uh, that Jessica's now. Uh, on the warpath going to now go and find Kilgrave. Kilgrave is now released in the city but i really don't know what that means for another four episodes and um, what i did like in this particular scene is the little tick of Kilgrave's dad of kevin's dad um which gives away the fact that they're going to kill him Um he essentially says you used to tell us what to do you used to tell us when to piss and when he says that you're going all right that's it that's yeah. it. This is over. They are not in there to, to help him out at all. They're there to take him out, um, which I thought was a nice little touch, just in case, because I do think it's still pretty shocking that his mother, who seems pretty weak and has come across as quite weak in the fact they just ran away and left him to his own devices at 10, um, but that she's the one that's going to take him out, probably because Kilgrave also thinks she's weak and he can get she can get closer to him than anybody else could.
0: But that's it. Were they trying to take him out or trying to prove his mind control because you can't take him out because then yes you can't prove his mind control you're right so the idea was to stab yes but not kill but not kill yes
1: and and shoulder
0: yeah and then that wasn't caught on camera and so then it was jessica was waiting and waiting until he basically then said now stab yourself for every year you were missing from my life uh, basically. yeah, And so she's having to hold off from pushing that red button because they had missed that first bit where he tells her to pick up the, the scissors. That's it. Um, that's... Because I think, again, one of the frames for the windows of this chamber is in the way.
2: Yeah.
1: It was badly, badly positioned by camera work, by their work by Jessica. But absolutely. absolutely. And
2: the, and the officer end. couldn't see it either, yeah. which yeah. was the other important part, yeah. And so...
0: Then it obviously then, unfortunately, goes the way it does. And I mean, it was always going to be risky. The one thing is, is I didn't suddenly understand why the red button wasn't working. It obviously worked twice beforehand. One on Kilgrave to show this is what happens if Kevin's a naughty boy. Mm -hmm. Um, And then the other time where Trish pushes it to show Jessica calm down, Um, you know, I didn't understand why all of a sudden there was an electrical spark. I may have missed something whilst I was writing a note, but...
2: Yeah, it was because Hogarth. Because Hogarth went in to the, to the room just before Jessica arrived back. She broke... Um, I believe she's the one that broke the connection uh, when she goes into the room. Um,
0: Ah, okay, okay. So so I missed that, okay.
2: So she's the one that's caused it from not happening because she starts to listen to to Kilgrave, again being the convincing mastermind, even without his powers, still gets to convince her to come into the same room as him. She knows this is wrong. Why is Hogarth getting convinced by this man? She maybe doesn't believe Jessica's version of events. Do you think Um,
0: Hogarth and Kilgrave will hook up then? In the next few episodes, because when that happens, Hogarth is out of the like a flash. And then when um, they go out, when Jessica goes out to try and chase him down, he is gone. Hogarth is gone. They are gone very quickly, both of them. And I'm just wondering whether even though she was going in to try and um, maybe get him out, see what he was going to do this was all part of a bigger plan because i think she had sent on the information
2: to clemens as well yeah yeah absolutely this is this is one of my points which is about hogarth essentially um because of the fantastic line from kilgrave it is him looking at her going remember these powers of persuasion i have can write any wrong and can make any stubborn problems disappear and that is now speaking to hogarth what we get in this episode is essentially Hogarth's decision that she needs to get rid of Wendy at all costs, and that's why she's going in to meet Kilgrave to see if he can now help her. This is it. This is this is Hogarth is now turning to the dark side and taking on an apprentice, and that apprentice happens to be Kilgrave. And like we know, the apprentice will kill the master. He's going to now use Hogarth for some ill intent that he has. So yeah, love it, love it.
1: You've been forgetting something. Sorry, I had to put in. Mm-hmm. What did she ask? To be kept and then sent somewhere.
2: I don't know. I'm the dead, dead fetus.
1: The dead fetus.
2: Oh, yes, of course.
1: So she, like, we assumed, we. I think we during the podcast we're talking about what, what could she want with this? Yeah. The powers of persuasion.
2: Yes, absolutely, yeah.
1: When you don't, when a, a fetus is dead, you have to work on it, blah, blah, blah. What's better than that? Mm-hmm the real thing.
2: Yeah, so she maybe she was thinking about extracting that virus that was used to create Kilgrave and now she has the real Kilgrave yeah. potentially. Now I don't think he would be on a leash though, that's the thing. I don't you think don't she realizes You
1: don't need on a leash. You just literally need to guy a you just need to gag him and then <laughs> And then point him at the And then uh, and, and then just like experiment on him, get his powers. Right. Interesting. Interesting. I don't know
2: whether she's trust she's she should be trusting him as much as she is. As I said, she was about to step into the room when Jessica arrived back. Um she was pretty close to getting killgraved, I suppose. But <laughs> yeah. I w- but I wonder whether
0: we're murder gonna... corpse. <laughs> but corpse. I wonder whether we're gonna see a, a flashback. Uh, to some conversation that we've not seen in this episode yeah. where this is all planned out for them to to escape, definitely. Pretty I mean, much, yeah. you could even argue if Kilgrave doesn't yet know, he might be thinking, well, here's someone who is willing to, to travel the dark path. So it could be that, you know, Hogarth ultimately comes to the dark side, is willing to, to work with Kilgrave, and maybe Kilgrave finally finds this companion in... Um, in Hogarth,
2: even yeah, though it's for different reasons. Yeah, maybe like we talked about the Marvel team up, where we had a villain and a and a superhero team up in episode eight, um, which you you would usually see in Marvel. Of course, you could have the supervillain team up, and that supervillain team up is Hogarth and Kilgrave. But what could she possibly hold over him for him not to use the powers on her? That's what I'm. That's what I'm really intrigued about. So let's let's see how that how that plays out in another episode.
1: And on that segue, I'm going to bring up my point, the Jones way, uh, at Jones way, if you will. Um, we're forgetting about a kind of part that again another one that got lost cause just brushed off is that uh, Kevin's not the only kid on this video mm-hmm. on this USB drive absolutely there are we saw at least five other kids uh, an Asian child with a pie symbol almost looking being carved into or stitched into his chest mm. a girl with no hands uh, legs in another girl or boy with legs in Braces, it, braces with kind of spikes, pins going through. Mm-hmm. Um, this so There's a, a USB stick full of children being uh, experimented on. Yes, yeah. And, okay, I, I'm, getting, I'm clutching a stroke. Well, first of all, we know nothing about that. Why is um, Kevin Thompson's and the Thompson family, Mr. Kilgrave, mm. video on this USB stick?
2: Mm. yeah.
1: What is Reva's connection? Yes,
2: yes, that's the big one for me. That's the like right. that's
1: huge. Well, why would did you, Why was it buried mm-hmm. under concrete that only Jessica had to hack away at?
2: Yeah, like we do know from episode three that Reva left a message for her husband, Luke Cage, that. There is something buried that he needs to find underneath the building. He goes there and it's gone. So we know that that's, that was his story before he ever met yeah. Jessica. Uh, but we don't know why Reva's connected to no. it at all. Yeah, uh, We think it might be something to do with the company she worked for, potentially, or something like that. But
1: And then we yeah. have Hogarth working on getting a fetus. Mm. She's a lawyer. She's probably representing someone.
2: Potentially, yeah. yeah. A
1: company that goes after all this stuff. Mm-hmm. That That was my point from the previous point which was perhaps she, they want the, the 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 original sample
2: right, right. which is
1: Kilgrave very interesting yeah. and putting it in children experiments experiments on children in the Marvel Universe has one huge hero out of it which is Spider-Woman right Jessica Drew the triple agent now, is she
2: dubbed? I Four time really. agent.
1: <laughs> she's somewhere oh, there. She's yeah. somewhere. Um, She's like, she, she's, she's cer- an agent of an agent of an agent of an agent of Hydra, of yeah. Shield of Shield she's of She's certainly
2: spun a web of lies yes. over her time in the Marvel <laughs> Universe. Um <laughs> <laughs>
1: Um, So this is just a point where I, I was just quite, again, another one that just is, unless we get it answered, is one that's just going to be, oh yeah, there was the. Yeah. And I literally meant to mumble that because Uh, it was that quickly kind of forgotten about. Brushed over. No one... They haven't mentioned the other kids. As soon as we knew that the Thompsons were involved, it was like, oh, yeah, well, unless the Thompsons can speak Chinese... Uh, which is quite possible, mm-hmm. but I think you'd hear the English twang on the the Chinese being spoken. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, we didn't get that. And what was the pie symbol? And why were the kids missing their arms? I and- do, I
2: do love the Kilgrave answers it pretty quickly and just goes, "Well, I was too busy looking for my crazy parents than checking out for some useless kids on the other side of the world." Yeah. And he didn't. He says that he didn't even investigate it. I'm unsure if that's true. What I definitely love about this scene is, once again, we have a podcast, we record and talk about it. Go, maybe Kilgrave looked maybe Kilgrave closed the computer so that Jessica didn't see the other stuff that was on there maybe it did have more uh, more information about him that sh- that he didn't want her to see it wasn't information about him it was information about all these other kids around the world that were being experimented on that it wasn't just to do with Kilgrave which I thought was really interesting good point last time John
0: yeah and i just there's potentially here um you know bigger scheme at play here. Experimentation, we've seen Hydra doing it. I'm thinking is there something, it's a global thing maybe it links into obviously um, we hear some Chinese, that's one of the most distinct parts of that tape. Mm. Um, and and with the pie symbol, I can't actually think if anything relates to Iron Fist or anything like that. I, I, it, my it, mind's blank yeah, on I, that. It
1: looked like a pie, it was a top line squiggle and then two lines Yeah then, parallel underneath. It's kinda of
0: like a mathematical genius or something having all the mathematical (laughs) symbols carved into them. I don't know, like, but... You would write great comics. Um, you know, this... (laughs) I
1: am math boy. (laughs) I am math boy. (laughs) Well, I carve... Look, and they... Pi, 3.14, blah, blah. (laughs)
0: Uh, I am geography boy. (laughs) Okay, maybe not so great Geographers are here to save the world. Maybe you wouldn't write (laughs) (laughs) that. There are actually hoodies with that on.
1: They're here to save the world. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What one glacial river oh. at a time? Yeah, exactly.
0: <laughs> Helping save the world from climate change. It's a science, yeah. people. It's a science. <laughs> um, but yeah, there's some Jonathan bigger, rocks. bigger organisation at play here, and of course, Hydra. You know, springs to mind. I'm very much aware of Hydra's involvement. Um, against the Iron Fist and this idea of them looking for that mystical element and an otherworldly thing, and obviously what we've seen in uh, Agents of Shield are these other worlds. Um, you know, other cities. Um, we do have this notion, or in the Immortal Iron Fist, of the seven kingdoms of heaven. Mm-hmm. But you always have in you know the ying and the yang, the, the the balance here. You know the. Dark size and all this kind of thing, and maybe that this would link in with Hydra, and um, certainly Hydra present in the Immortal Iron Fist mm-hmm. storyline. So this experimental program against kids would fit with their remit. We Absolutely. see that
2: with Von Strucker, with Scarlet Witch, and... Um, and all the way back to Red Skull and, and Captain America the First Avenger was all about doing experiments on, on people. Exactly. That's why Bucky was captured, that's why he became the Winter Soldier, there's all those experiments so over years so and
0: All years of this ago. is really interesting about whether it may tie in or link with the Iron Fist in some way, so mm-hmm. that I'm, I'm, I'm intrigued to see.
1: Mm-hmm. I just, I don't think they're going to introduce Hydra. It's too early. Not yet. No, no, no. no. The, 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 it will be a faceless corporation. It could be anything. anything. It could be. Well, no, no, no. I think it is Hydra. It it will be the big, the big evil greens with their tentacles everywhere. Mm-hmm. I just think we haven't had Hydra in uh, Daredevil. Mm-hmm. Marvel Agents of Shield two is more fantastical. Mm-hmm. The films are the films. We get Easter egg touches and comments and linkages and we now know we know this is after the events of Ultron well sorry no we know this is after the event of the Avengers 1 we don't know if it's before or after Ant-Man or Ultron but it didn't start off like that
0: it was very much a spy thriller with this computer hacker coming on and you know the spy organization and it's increasingly gone off world yeah Um the only thing slightly extraordinary was the fact that, obviously, Agent Coulson was alive and not dead, um, and that kind of
1: being. Yeah, so, no, I agree. Was, I just, I just think it's if we imagine that the Netflix series is the Max, the Max Room, mm. it is the more dirty, deep, it's a gritty, it's noir, it's all that kind of stuff. Mm. I don't think having the Hydra goons in just yet. But
0: think how great Hydra would oh, be in the in the Netflix world yeah. they would be nazis
1: on steroids i love that nice nazis on steroids that's the name of the byline for this episode
0: but like they would be evil bloody like uncompromising because
2: that's what this world is. it'll be great if i could just weigh in the discussion being the shield fanatic that i am they, i don't think they're going to use uh, hydra in this show because i just think it would be too confusing for people um we've seen hydra being used in all the mo- all the captain america movies We've seen them all all the way through Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. for three seasons, sticking them in here like the way they do in the comics as villains. The reason why they're used so often in the comics is because people kind of forget about Hydra. People who didn't read S.H.I.E.L.D. comics, that kind of stuff, they don't really remember Hydra. They just kind of look at them as villains, but they don't really remember them. You can't really take them because they are so memorable in the movies. They've become such a central part of the universe of those type of shows that you'd really have to create a brand new arm of Hydra and use them in Iron Fist maybe.
0: But in the Immortal Iron Fist, sorry to come back to the Immortal Iron Fist, um, but... Hydra is introduced as a faceless business corporation trying mm-hmm. to take and wrestle control of the Rand Corporation. Yeah, it could be done like that. Oh, I agree. Um, it could
2: it, be done, but I wonder if they want to if they want to try and use a different organization just because the movie universe is a lot smaller overall than the maybe, Marvel maybe, comics universe. But, I like the idea of AIM. It's maybe, time to bring them in.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah they, they could. Know. But it, then, I know
2: they've used them in Iron Man three already, but I like the idea of bringing them back in again. You know. Or it could just ultimately be a faceless corporation.
0: I mean they've brought in the hand and and that kind of organization. I mean you know, red ninjas, fantastic, mm-hmm. but Green
1: Hydra agents?
2: Or far. maybe it's just the hand. Good catch, John. Good catch. Yeah, or it's just the hand.
1: <laughs> or it's just Fisk. Fisk is aware of or the Kingpin and his organization now are aware of superheroes and mm-hmm. they're powered and they're like well, he, he never said he had scruples anymore about experimenting on people. Mm-hmm. He doesn't even need to know. He just go go find me super-powered people. Yeah. And then this little arm goes, well, we could just start... Ex-. No, We've been again, experimenting
2: is, on them for 20 years yeah, or something, or 30 yeah. years. Yeah, maybe it's that. It's
1: going to be maybe like that kind of... It's like they knew these powers right there since the 60s, since Captain America.
0: And he wants Kilgrave to help Hogarth get him out of prison.
1: No. Uh. Look at this. Look at the hand.
2: John, do you want to give us your final point?
0: Speaking of tentacles and the hand, we have Pamela the T's here. Um, absolutely. Oh, wow. Yeah. I mean, I love the fact that Pam obviously had learned a lot from Hogarth. She's using a position of power, she's really trying to expose Hogarth to either real or perceived frailties that she would then fight against in order to get back ultimately physical with Pam. Pam is saying, you know, everything, this is off limits. Mm -hmm. Until you sort yourself out, you get um, your ex out of the picture and you start to be the person with power, with confidence uh, that I fell in love with. I really just thought this was a fantastic scene between the two ladies. Uh, and it, it's you normally see so much um, men having this power over uh, over women, um, you know, would be frequented on, on the screen so often. Yeah. And here you have then this within um, a homosexual relationship. And I, that's important, I think. I think there's really a great scene... And I just thought really well acted by uh, the two actors here. you know, like Hogarth's expression, you just see like how she's being tempted in by Pamela, and then the shutters come down. yeah, um and it was it was great. I loved it. it. was really kind of exceptional in my in my mind. i I, I thought it really it just felt so correct for Hogarth's character. To to feel and look so dejected when Pamela essentially shuts her off uh, from any kind of physical um, relationship until she's back on top,
1: and I actually agree. It, it was yeah. from in a very red blooded American style show. This was I was like, this is hot, <laughs> this is great. But actually, going deeper, there was more. So I actually took a bit more of a different take on it a take on it. Pamela, for me, seemed very gold digger-esque, young kind of woman going, oh, like my super successful girlfriend who was powerful and is about to lose her money, her power, her job, her everything. I need to get this sorted now. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, Yeah, that's it, true. Yeah, Definitely. it was like, you could, if, if this had been a, it, this was a unique take on a, Older man, younger secretary, woman. Yeah. The woman, the the young woman, the young secretary, going. You ain't getting none of this yeah. until you sort this shit out. Yeah, and it was like that, but it was a in a very sensual, erotic uh, scene, and it was great. It was just very good, but again, it was just a different take on it. Um, but again, I took that rather than kind of a this is a, a relate uh, a. Stable relationship trying to um, get be fixed. This was, I saw the first show of Pam being that younger gold digger mm-hmm. that who's not the dejected young woman who was about to get married and now feels sore like can't go to the restaurant. You're gonna take me to their same restaurant yeah. that you took a part of? I was like, that was no, that was not Pamela. Pamela is this conniving, as conniving as Hogarth. Mm-hmm. And I was just,
2: They're a good match, definitely. Yeah. And I love the reaction of Carrie-Anne Moss to this. After the fact, the next person she meets is Trish and goes, uh, why don't you go outside for some air? I can't handle another crazy woman around me right now. <laughs> so this thing is great, because yeah. the other people that she deals with in her life is Wendy, who's trying to get 75% of her assets, 90% now of her assets, and, as you say, Pam, who's now holding sex, out. So Hogarth's just screwed right now. She's got nothing around her, which is possibly the reason why she's now thinking of using Kilgrave to sort out her problems. yeah. But one of the
0: things I definitely loved about it was it was reminiscent to me of kind of, you know, the relationships you would see in Wall Street, the film with Michael Douglas, that, mm. that kind of power play and office uh, relationship in such a powerful kind of... Area as law or like in Wall Street stockbroking, yeah, all this kind of stuff. I, it kind of had um, echoes of that for me in, in this
2: scene, and I really liked it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, Chris, what's your final point?
1: Um, I'm gonna bring up the big one. Um, I'm gonna bring up Jessica Can Resist Him. Yes, there we go. Oh, what the one we've all been waiting to talk about, we've been dancing around for a oh. while. Um, it was fantastic. This explains the bus scene dramatically. We we I think the three of us sat there and we discussed it for about twenty minutes in one of our episodes. uh kind of going, well, sh- can she resist him now? Can mm-hmm. she? Is it just the shock of killing someone? But we don't know what it was. Maybe is when he screamed the word Jessica mm-hmm. as he seemed to do. He elongated her name and that stopped it. We don't <laughs> know. Um, maybe it's the bad you slow mo time. Happens and he, though no, I'm obviously <laughs> That's joking. That's the Matrix, as That's well. the Matrix as yeah. well. Um No, it was just it was a, a fantastic revelation. Yeah. Um, that was the one part where I of this episode where I was like, thumbs up. Yeah. nope. waiting for this that escape scene and as I I was wondering what the slow mo part was because I you kind of when he he said release me and she didn't mm-hmm. and then. I was starting to, I was like, then they replayed the scene again. Yes. And it was her still holding on to him. I was like, and the, real, the only bit, and I, again, this was from the director, um, John Dahl, showing a great piece of cinematography in that it was the realisation on Kristen Ritter's face. Ah, uh, yeah, absolutely. And it was that's why it was slowed. Yeah. You could see that she was like, I'm about to let him go. About it. Why haven't I let him go? I haven't let him go. Yeah. And it was just like those three emotions slowed mode. Beautifully played. Beautifully played. Beautifully played. Beautifully shot. That for me was a top class moment.
2: Yeah. Yeah, without a doubt. The breakout scene itself was kind of my final point. Uh, I love how this has played out because I think we talked about the pacing of the episode and that that it's a little bit slower than some of the other episodes or there's a lot going on and a lot of exposition going on. Uh, We haven't even talked about some of the things that happened in the episode. Uh, Kind of skipped over them a little bit. But the breakout scene itself is so much happening at the same time. Some some kind of slow-mo elements that you talked about. There's Jessica trying to break back into the vault to save uh, Kilgrave's parents. There's the realization that uh, by Trish that um, he's going to kill the parents, so she tries to shoot him through the uh, through the glass with with the gun that uh, that Simpson had given her. Then, as Kilgrave walk past her, he tells her to put a bullet in her head. Um, a fantastic moment that I was thinking, uh oh. I hope she's used six bullets, not, not five, you know. Um, Ask
1: yourself this part. Exactly,
2: re- reversing the uh, the Dirty Harry moment. Yeah, and it's, then we it's had, the one time where she was pleased she was a bad shot. Yeah. Exactly, yeah. exactly. And then we have the officer being told to to follow Kilgrave as he pulls his own hand out of his handcuffs, uh, leaving the wrist just being absolutely destroyed behind it. Um, if he hadn't followed, what would have happened? Would Kilgrave have gotten away or would Jessica have been able to hold on to him, you know? Um, loved all the stuff that was going on at the same time. Really, really good scene.
1: Another piece we really just quickly skirted over, but actually should be taken into account. He now has two bits of Kilgrave evidence. Kilgrave goes, follow me. Remember the whole thing is, I don't believe it. Yeah. Kilgrave goes, follow me. He rips himself. And then Kilgrave was like, get, get her. And he tackled her. So yeah. he seemed alive. He obviously unconscious mm-hmm. but now we know maybe in the next episode he'll go oh yeah I fully believe
2: yes yeah potentially we now have a new a new uh, person on yes exactly a new ally is the, exactly the word I was looking for I think the interesting thing as
0: well for me on this is that even amongst all that chaos Kilgrave has the presence of mind to essentially say to his father again really brutal stab your heart out with, oh, with the scissors obviously Jessica then is distracted to try and prevent that as is Trish but again as he's running past and out to escape, Trish put a bullet in the head, uh, and to the officer Clemens, yeah. um, you know, follow me, even though he's handcuffed to to the post. Yeah, um, really, um, a great presence of mind there from from Kilgrave. Um, but that also then leads me on to some of my notes. Really, uh, for this is like it was good to see Clemens uh, introduced a bit more into this episode. Um yeah. you know. He's the one that tells them, you know, we need evidence, we need footage. He's also then slightly being used by Hogarth, uh, where he's been sent footage of the uh, beatdown by Jessica Jones on Kilgrave, and he's realised she's the crazy one. Right. Like, I mean, you know, he comes in to arrest her and to put an end to it, mm. Um and they have to go all rebellious on him, you know, Trish with the gun. So I'm really glad that he kind of got a bit more involvement in this. And I can't wait to see how then he pans out and plays out with, with Kilgrave now that he's escaped with, with them.
2: Yeah, he's a great actor in The Wire. I really enjoyed him on that show, and I was really expecting a lot more of him, more to, or at least to see a lot more of him. We're now at episode, what, nine? So uh, I'm hoping we're going to see him a lot more for the next three or four episodes.
1: I didn't... I, I like the old switcheroo they did with his character on this. So the very first time we see him in the beginning of this episode... He does the terrible lethal weapon line. I'm two years away from pension. Obviously, <laughs> that was a, obviously, a point that <laughs> I'm only two years away from retirement. Yep. It was like the aging black detective, and I was like, oh no, they're not gonna make him like that stereotypical character. <laughs> no, lovely switcheroo. Yep. It was like, no, 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 he's not actually. Um, It was obviously more of a nod than a switcheroo. I think it was a joke, an in-joke to film lovers. Yeah, Um, but I just thought that was a great point, and I agree. Loved him in the wire, Mm -hmm. but never understood why he wasn't being used in the show. Yeah, more. And again, Officer Clemens, I thought would had a larger scene in the police station scene. Mm -hmm. I was like, wow. Okay, maybe they're going to make this big thing again. I feel this may be a a cutting editing job maybe there's more scenes in there like the interrogation scene could have been longer Mm. or that scene where Jessica and him were talking over the hot dog like again slightly could be longer yeah so again I I think it's just maybe again a timing issue yeah even though we go "This, this is a 13 hour movie yeah yeah, even 13-hour movies need to be cut down.
2: Absolutely, absolutely. And, I, and I'm kind of I'm kind of hoping now that, we, that he's had this big scene where he's been told what to do twice by Kilgrave, as you as you, you, said, that this this will give us the impetus to see more of Clements in the next four episodes. I'm really hoping that he now becomes a big character. I would have liked to have seen him more, just because I like the actor. I would have liked absolutely. to have seen him more in previous episodes. I don't know anything about Clements at all. I don't know who his family is. I don't know anything about his background at all. But I know the actor, and I wanted to see him more well, you in the do,
1: show. You know he's a two years away from a venture two, two years away from a
2: venture
0: absolutely <laughs> and then I have just one more which is Whiskey Watch we see a nagging of uh, whiskey here mm-hmm. she's gone from really upmarket whiskey in Trisha's apartment to back down to a nagging after um, she's kind of failed to get the confession out of Kilgrave and um, Winston brand never heard of it probably yeah. is firewater. water so um, yeah Whiskey Watch She's making her way through the top shelf in the local supermarket. That is Down to the shame. bottom Absolutely. shelf. Yeah,
2: yeah. <laughs> Absolutely, I think this might be under the shelf. So has anyone else got any uh, notes to wrap up? Yeah, I've got, I've got one or two. I um, loved Jessica Jones at the support group. Firstly, I loved the fact that we saw Malcolm looking completely clean and sober and running the, the the support group. But I love Jessica sitting across the table from the guy who's still complaining about losing his, <laughs> about Kilgrave taking his leather jacket. And she just looks at him and says, You lost a jacket, get over it. Which is what you just don't do at a support group. For some reason, it reminded me of the Simpsons <laughs> episode where Homer is sent to uh, Alcoholics Anonymous and sitting across from him is, um, is, Ned Flanders saying, "I had a glass of wine and I I got a bit fuzzy." And Homer's just looking at him, going, "Why are you at Alcoholics Anonymous?" Kind of thing. <laughs> it really did feel like Jessica had no tolerance for the people around her, and um, and all she's there for is to find uh, Kilgrave's mom, which I just thought was really interesting. That uh, that you know, Malcolm obviously thinks he's taking her in and going to help her out, but uh, this was just a purpose of, of Jessica's to find Kilgrave's mom. Really good, good one. And I wanted to really shout out to I think it was David Wang, if I remember correctly, from our previous. Um, feedback that we got, that David had called out that there is possibly something within the uh, support group that was hidden uh, from original site we knew that there was a woman in the background, we were told that the reason her face was melted was because of uh, an iron being used on her by Kilgrave, and she hid in the background didn't say anything, and that was all the way back in episode 4, I think it was, or 5 and now we find out that's Kilgrave's mom and she's been in the background the whole time, really good catch
1: Yeah, I um, didn't even cop yeah. the, the shoe print on the photo yeah. like that. I was like, "What? Huh? Someone's a dirty face." Like literally, I was like, yeah, yeah. was like, "Dirty face." No, I still don't get it. it not until it, the the mother walked in. I went, "Ah, oh, her, of course, her. Of course. Um, Dad footprint on the face. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, no, it was that was great. Just the background characters uh,
2: being so pivotal yeah. in this episode. Great. I wonder if that had some kind of issue on the pacing for you. Because they did actually hit every character this episode, I think. And I think a lot of episodes they've left some of the characters in the background or left them, some of the major characters, they've left their storylines out. And this episode had a huge amount of all the characters got a moment except for Reuben's sister, who we still haven't seen from. Uh, and still don't know whether she knows. You mean her brother's Typhoid dead. Mary, Tyford Mary, possibly. <laughs> and Luke Cage. And, and Luke. Jake. And Luke, who is. We, yeah. we haven't seen. We haven't seen him at all. Yes. Yeah.
1: Um, yes, I agree, and I think we'll in our closing statements, our clo- in our in closing statements of this episode when we try and defend or not. Um, I, I will get back on the pacing.
2: Right. But do you have any notes for this episode? I do,
1: and it literally leads directly into your part, mm. which was the possibly the best line. I think and I still giggle when I hear it uh, from this episode was uh, and perhaps it was Malcolm's best line in this episode which was um, in the support group going Uh, We can all speak at will here. No one is controlling us. (laughs) And it was just, it was so off the cuff, just perfect. It was like, it's like AA Anonymous kind of like just trying to say that. And you're like, oh, (laughs) it's like cutting a bit close to the bone. Um, It was really good, wasn't it? No, so it was just quite, it was a fantastic... Um kind of closing and I think we can close
0: on that yeah, yeah. so Derek do you defend this episode of Jessica Jones
2: I do defend this episode I wanted to see Kilgrave locked up I wanted to see what would happen when Jessica was in control of the room and was interrogating him I got all that but there's a twist as there is with this show because it's so well written the twist is that Kilgrave's not going to be controlled by anybody else he's not going to be pushed into a corner regardless of how trapped he seems to be he's going to get out of it um And I think this was so well done. We're not going to get two episodes of Kilgrave locked up because Kilgrave won't stay locked up for two episodes. He can control everything around him. I love the keep pointing it out all the way through the episode. Don't let him out. Don't go into the room. It's like the Gremlins trick, essentially. Don't feed him after midnight. Uh, and they fed him. And someone's after gonna do it. Someone's gonna do it. And this time it's Hogarth. She's the one that ruins the whole plan, and also Trish by shooting through the bulletproof—or not the bulletproof glass, but the soundproof glass—which releases Kilgrave. I love all this stuff, and I love how it played out at the end. I love the uh, the way it was put together, um, and seeing what seemed to be a little bit um, uh, t- taken down a peg, Kilgrave, maybe, uh, but still in control of the area. So, yeah, I defend this episode. Chris, do you defend this episode?
1: Nope. Mm. I am so sorry, listeners. Um, And I think you hit hit the nail on the head when we are discussing our notes there. Mm. It's a pacing issue. You actually, and I didn't even realise that point you made, which was, we literally got nearly every character in this episode. Yeah, It was jam-packed. It was condensed. It was two hours. Like I said, if this had been spread out, like, just over more, just two episodes, episodes and a half of just Kilgrave in there, exploring more, giving a bit more empathy, then flipping the switch, not having every character within every three minutes, uh, not trying to jam in so many questions answered and opening more questions. Mm. Um, It just became... I I'm struggling I I'm glad I wrote notes when we write this and for our listeners um, what we do is we sit down, we watch, and as we watch, the three of us there scribbling away in pen and paper, uh, sometimes on a phone if we want to feel high tech and fancy, <laughs> like Tony yes, Stark, <laughs> like Tony Stark. I swear. Uh, no, but like you'll be telling Jarvis to write his notes sometime. Uh, uh, someday, someday, <laughs> he will be a British butler too. Um, but no, it was just had uh, to be done. not me. <laughs> yes, you are my Jarvis. I don't know whether it's going to be your voice or if it's just going to be Hello, sir. <laughs> would you like the Aston Martin? Oh, I would. I would today. I think i will go for the Porsche. <laughs> um, no, I think that was one of the It was a pacing issue. Not that it was t- too long. It was too short.
2: Right. For me. everything that it was covering. For everything
1: that it was covering. Right. Just, I would love just an extra two to three minutes on every topic. Right. Um, like that final fight scene. It was almost just done in a click. I think that's the, where I really wanted to kind of why I, I can't defend this. Right. I think if this had been an episode and a half to two episodes, mm. giving us an extra 14th episode or giving us an extra 30 minutes. Now, we don't know what's coming next.
2: But you can't give the unluckiest character in the Marvel Universe a show that has more than 13 episodes, can you? It has to be 13 episodes for Jessica Jones, right? Ah,
1: true, true, (laughs) true. I didn't even think it was... I I,
2: I know what you're saying, and I am expecting if there is a DVD release of this in the future, we'll get quite a lot more deleted scenes from this show than we we got from Daredevil, but uh, I'm interested.
1: So, overall, um, if I was to use John's um, kind of rating system... This would be a one or a two for me, out of Ooh. all of it. Wow. Just because the, it was just the pacing, I feel. I, I'm struggling to remember certain points already. Right. Wow. So I don't go this hard. What we got was great, but it was just too quick, too much.
2: One or two is a skip the episode, though.
1: Nah, okay, well then, uh, two or three. Okay. Okay, two or three. It's not a skip the episode. You have to watch it, but just you won't remember it by the time you go into the next episode. Right.
2: Interesting. Interesting. Okay. Okay. Wow, on that bombshell. John, do you defend this episode?
0: (laughs) Um, I don't quite know uh, what to say, but I am actually going to give this um, four Kozlov pills uh, out of five. (laughs) The red one got me going, and that was the big showdown at the end. I absolutely loved it. Um, It really did. And for me, as I said at the start, I think it saved the episode for me. It was. It really was high paced, and was a nice, fitting end. I think for that scene. Then my two white pills that kept me level was the fact that it did answer my questions from the previous episode. I, I loved how really it showed Kilgrave, um, really being the master manipulator. Even though the you know the big shoe and the fist was on the other uh foot and the other wrist with with Jessica Jones. I love that interrogation scene definitely. Um it it was it was really good. I loved then seeing Simpson sort of begin to morph and obviously a bit more background there into possibly Nuke. Mm. Whoever it is, you know, we see his wounds healing up. I mean that that's good now that his story is starting to just progress and move on, because I, I think otherwise it was starting to feel a bit um uh, stayed, really, uh, for, for his character. So that was good. And, and my one blue pill, which was uh, kind of to bring me down slightly, was a pacing. And I think that I loved... All the points here, absolutely. And that's why the blue pill adds towards the score. Mm -hmm. Uh, It was a pacing issue uh, in some cases uh, for me. I would have loved for there to have been a bit more um, investigation of uh, Louise and Albert Thompson. Um, I love the fact that they were introduced, but it all seemed immediately convenient that, they had found it, and that she was in the support group. I like the fact that she was hidden in plain sight. Mm. That that's a good little point, but it also seems slightly convenient as well. I, I can accept both points there, um, so that was my one blue pill. Like I loved the exposition, the um, the big fight scene, the introduction of Kilgrave's parents, the 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 interaction and, and back and forth between Kilgrave and, and Jessica. But I would have loved to maybe have seen that take place early next episode or something to allow that um, breathing space of that interrogation. But I I loved it. So I can't really take too much away from the episode. And I mean, finally, really, I just liked how Hogarth is just a horrendous person. I mean, (laughs) Kilgrave is a horrendous person, but he's the evil one. Hogarth has no superpowers. She's a lawyer, so maybe we're tainted in our perception of her anyway. But here she is uh, dancing with the devil in the pale moonlight. <laughs> you know, she pale purple light. Pale purple light. Right. Yeah, she is. She's considering this alliance, this uh, working with Kilgrave for purely her own ends. And I feel she will go down that route, and I can't wait to see it, actually, Um, because this will have huge ramifications for her, and I just think it might tie in nicely with an Iron Fist uh, element as well in future Marvel Netflix stuff. So that's it. Four four Kozlov pills out of five. Still really high, really good. Um, I think right at the end of it, immediately, I felt, ooh, not entirely sure whether I... Got everything there. And again, packed with content and maybe just some slight pacing
2: issues right. for me. But that's probably not going to be the case for everyone. Right. And there you have it. There are lots of uh, different opinions on this particular episode. Hopefully, next time's episode, A Thousand Cuts, or AKA A Thousand Cuts, will be, uh, will be more on the same page, I suppose, about mm-hmm. it. If you have any feedback, just make sure you send it into feedback at defenderstvpodcast.com or follow us on our Facebook page. Look for Defenders TV Podcast. Come and join the group with lots of discussion going on. uh, Or go over to Twitter and find us at DefendersCast. Uh, I think that's it for this week, guys. Absolutely. And remember, you can get your red, white, and blue pills
0: here with us um, by going to DefendersTVPodcast.com forward slash iTunes. Search Defenders TV podcast on any other good podcast catcher, Stitcher, Player FM, Podcast Addict, Beyond Pod. Remember, subscribe to us uh, on iTunes or any Android podcast catcher and listen in. Uh, again, yeah, thank you so much for having us.
1: Yeah, thank you very much for having us. We are the Agent Simpsons or the Operation Simpson. We have our red blue pill, our blue pill, and I think I'm the upper, the downer. Does that mean I'm just kind of the guy for balancing out? <laughs> no I'm the, daddy. I'm, I'm, the, the, I'm, the yeah, I'm the blue pill you're the red pill and that makes you the, the balancer I'm, I'm
2: the balancer yeah, I'll take that yeah take you're that. the white pill so there you have
1: it we know our which pill we are mm-hmm. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. 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 and on that note adios
2: we're going
0: to listen to heavy techno music as we move
2: into the matrix <sighs> talk to you next time and not for the first time I'm getting a whiskey
1: <laughs> bye bye
2: This has been a Flickering Myth Podcast Network production. For more information, head over to flickeringmyth.com for more shows like it. Find this show in iTunes by searching for the podcast name and head over to youtube.com forward slash flickering myth to subscribe to the Flickering Myth movie show. We'll see you on the next podcast.
0: Take care. Bye bye.